Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are covering the case of Gordon Northcott. I have never heard of him before. No? No, I don't think I have. I'm sure you will know who he is once we relate it to the Season 5 theme of Murderous Entertainment. Oh, okay. Well, in other news, what's going on with you? Not too much. Do you want to tell the callers about the new nerdy adventure you're going to be going on soon? Nerdy adventure? Yeah, we just ordered some books. Oh, yeah. So you ordered the Dungeons and Dragons books because I decided that I really wanted to play it. I'd never actually gotten to play it before. So you're teaching me how to play it and we still have to like set up my character sheet and stuff like that. But I'm excited to do it. It's something new. Yeah, I think it would definitely be fun, and I I get some nostalgia, because it's the same set, version 3.5, that I used to play years and years ago, so that'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's different. It's not something that we do on our day-to-day basis. We play a lot of different board games in the house, but this, I feel like, will be a different type of board game. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. You know what isn't a different type of board game, though? What's that? Our callers. Our callers. It is time for those shout-outs. Shout-out. So we have Nicholas S. Brad F. And Erica F. Thank you guys so much for being callers. We wouldn't know how to do this without you. Okay, callers. We have somewhat of a disturbing, busy, and a crazy case for you today. As we mentioned earlier, we are covering the case of Gordon Northcott. And discussing the horrific crimes he committed along with his mother and nephew. Oh shit, so there's three killers. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's kind gonna of, be fun. Kind, kind of. Okay, you don't have to tell me yet, but can I take a guess of what the movie might be? You're gonna guess the movie before we even get to parts to guess the movie? Yeah. All right. I want to know if I'm right by the end, but you don't tell me if I'm right or wrong right now. I just want to guess. Okay, you want to do your guess beforehand. Yeah. And again, callers, keep in mind he's not cheating because I write the scripts and do the research, and he just comes in and gets a surprise when he reads it. Right, and then I'll re-guess again at the end, but I just I want to do a pre-guess to see if like I still stand at the same guess when I come to the end. Okay, let's hear it. What do you think this guess is? Okay, my guess is going to be The Stranger's. Okay, let's lock that in. He's guessing the strangers. I am guessing the strangers right now. We will see if I still feel the same way when we get to the end. All right, you won't, but... Okay, well, that's <laughs> really reassuring. <laughs> so, the police believe he had as many as 20 victims. He ends up confessing to seven, and in the end, he was only charged with three. How do you confess to seven and then only get charged for three? Skill, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully you have better answers than that <laughs> by the time we get to it. In the town these crimes occurred in became so ashamed, they ended up changing their name. You pissed off a whole town. They changed their whole name. They changed their whole name. They went from... Hey, Sunny Happyville to, what, get the fucks outville? <laughs> that we would, stabby in the faceville? That would be hilarious. So, with all that being said, 
Let's hop into that trusty time machine and head back to 1924 to, at the time, was Wineville, California. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when your dad cannot be held responsible for any lost limbs. Okay, I have a quick question, though, now that we are time-traveled back. Okay. Or while we're time-traveling back. Is Wineville the name of the town pre-shaming? Correct. You need to be ashamed of that name. (laughs) Wineville, are y'all drunk? I mean, that was probably the temptations for everyone to get there. Going to Wineville? I'm is going that... to Wineville to oh. drink some wine with the wine people. Can and... I go to Cake Town next? Jesus. <laughs> that is, that's the dumb town name. <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't exist no more, so you don't got to worry about it. wine? It probably could be. It's California. It probably wasn't. <laughs> this is when 17-year-old Gordon, his mother Sarah, his father Cyrus and nine-year-old nephew Sanford Clark moved from Saskatchewan, Canada to Los Angeles, California. A short two years later, now 1926, the group would find themselves moving to a plot of land in Wineville, California. I know it's just like a small little paragraph of why we went back to 1924 instead of going straight to 1926. Right. But more so I was wanting to highlight Gordon is 17 years old at this time. 17. When he commits his first crime? Is that what's going to happen? I mean, he's going to be 19 when he commits his first crime. Okay, but he's 17 when they move from... Saskatchewan. From Canada to Los Angeles. That is a really odd move to go from somewhere so far north to somewhere so far south. I mean, I guess. I, I would not... I guess I just don't think of California being, like, the it place to be. I mean, I feel like most of the country wasn't the it place to be in 1926. Right, that's what I mean. Like, in 1926, <laughs> I couldn't think of, like, California being the best. And isn't the Great Depression happening right now? Um, that was a, This is a little bit after. Okay. But the country was still feeling it. So is that why maybe they moved from Canada to Los Angeles? Like there was job opportunities in Los Angeles? Yeah, probably wanting the American dream. Okay, well, when you hear a name Wineville, you think, well, if I can't get a job, I can get drunk. (laughs) Gordon, now 19 years old, and Sanford, only 11 years old. They helped Cyrus build a house in a chicken ranch on a plot of land. It was also around this time when hell started for Sanford. Gordon would constantly, emotionally, physically, and sexually abuse Sanford. This abuse would go on for years to come. That's terrifying. So, Gordon is sexually assaulting his nephew. Correct. I'm yeah. sorry, I want to make sure I'm getting these names correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Cyrus is the dad. Cyrus is dad. He has the boys building a house and a chicken ranch. I want to know what a chicken ranch is. What not it coop? Yeah, it's there's the chicken coop, but there's also like the but they upgraded incubator to a ranch. Room. There's like an incubator room. It's like a more fancier coop, I guess. So they upgraded to chicken mansion. <laughs> yeah, so I maybe this was their American dream as they were gonna be farmers, farmers, and sell some chicken eggs. No offense and, to farmers, but I could not imagine being like, you know what I want to do? Be a fucking farmer my whole life. <sighs> I and mean, I know there's people that do it, and I'm grateful for them. We need them. They are some of the hardest workers out there. They absolutely are. I am not one of the hardest workers <laughs> out there. And I could not imagine being like, I've been working the till field all day. Right. Picking out weeds and all these other things. And then to only get paid a shit 
like less than what you should get paid right for your produce agree agreed so that's gonna bring us to february of 1928 and gordon's first known victim and this is where we will give you the heads up that it's going to get gruesome so brace yourselves callers oh god i hate when you tell me to brace myself because every time you've said that Shit goes real bad, and I usually end up either crying or being real <laughs> mad throughout the whole episode. So welcome to the, my emotions aren't in check today, ladies and gentlemen, so you might feel anything. <laughs> so for reasons we weren't able to find, Gordon targeted a 10-year-old Hispanic boy named Alvin Gothia. Gordon decided to shoot Alvin to death. Then he proceeded to decapitate him and leaving his body on the side of the road. Gordon then forced Sanford to take the head, burn it in the fire pit, and then crush the skull afterwards to hide the evidence. Holy fuck. Talk about manipulation to a child. Right. And again, callers, Sanford is 11 years old. Right, but he's also being abused by this person that clearly has had such control over his life now that he's able to just say, do this, and clearly Sanford doesn't really think much about it and just goes, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Correct. Well, and he could have been scared of the consequences had he said no. That's what I was going to bring up is, well, what if he had said no? Was he going to get beat more? Was there going to be more sexual abuse? that Like, do you know, does it ever end for Sanford when, like, does that ever end for him? Or does it consistently go on throughout this whole entire time? What? The sexual abuse and abuse and... That's that's going... That, that will happen throughout all of this. Right. We're not going to keep repeating it. Right. I, I don't want us to, but I want it to but, get through yeah, to the callers would, and to myself that this is happening. I would presume and assume strongly that it is continuously going on. Okay. And his breaks are in between when Gordon has someone else to... Torture. Torture. Okay. Well, that's that's real fucked up. Yes, it is. This is going to bring us to March 10th, 1928. Here we are going to meet nine-year-old Walter Collins Jr. He wanted to go to the movies, so he asked his mom for some money so he could go. His mother, Christine, couldn't refuse and gave him some money. That was the last time she would see her son. Could you imagine? Oh, no. Not even a little bit. Like, here you go. Go have a wonderful time because... it doesn't say this is her only son, but the can't re- like couldn't refuse makes me feel like this is her only child. I'm I believe it is her only child. And so typically, when there is the only child syndrome going on in the house, they get whatever they ask for because they are the only child. Right, right. You know, and it's hard to tell that only kid, no, you can't do this. Why? Because they're your only kid. Exactly. So, we will tell you that he was abducted by Gordon Northcott. However, the police didn't know that. And in the 1920s, the LAPD was already under a lot of scrutiny for corruption and scandal. The pressure was on for them to find Walter. Initially, they thought that Walter's father may have had some sort of connection to it. Walter's father was currently serving jail time and was the in-house narc for the police. The LAPD thought that it may have gotten out that he was the inmate 
informant and somebody was taking their revenge on his family. But then why would you think that his dad was involved? I would think, hey, we need to go talk to him and say, your kid's missing. Did did somebody find out? Do you know somebody's found out that you're giving us insider information? Didn't say that Walter's father was involved. It just said he may have like a connection of why he oh, went missing. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. When I when I heard you say some sort of connection to it, I thought you were insinuating that his dad had like talked to somebody inside the jail and was like, "Go kidnap my son. I'm gonna be oh. out soon." No, no, no. I do not believe he was going to be out soon. I believe he was in, actually, for murder. Oh, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> I guess, one place to be when I mean, you're in for murder. Not not 100%, but I'm fairly certain, I guess. That the research made it sound as if he was <laughs> in for murder. Right, right. Well, then, okay. However, this was not the case. As we mentioned, Walter was kidnapped by Gordon. He brought Walter back to his home. Gordon would end up doing the terrible, awful to Walter, It is unclear if he made Sanford participate or not, but what we do know is that he was forced to watch. Afterwards, he took Walter Jr. to the chicken coop. This is when Gordon's mother, Sarah, walked in on everything. After learning everything that Gordon did, panic and wanting to protect her son, Sarah said that they had to kill Walter and hide his body. This is when Gordon grabbed an axe and began hitting Walter with it again forcing Sanford to watch. Realizing Gordon was either taking too long or wasn't doing it right, Sarah takes the axe and delivers the killing blow that would end up ultimately taking Walter Collins Jr.'s life. They then buried his body in a shallow grave, covering it with quicklime. I don't get how, if I saw my kid, like, hurting another kid... I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. I wouldn't say, here is an axe, and if you swing it like thus, it ends their life. Right. Like, I understand a parent wanting to protect their child, but uh, when your child's broken... Right. Did she set a fucking egg timer, and when she (laughs) realized that it had rang, she thought, God, he's not back in yet. I need to go out there and check. (laughs) And did she also have another accent in her, like, house? And she was like, well, I've been waiting to do this for a few fucking years. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. But can you also imagine Gordon's mom walking in and realizing what the hell's going on? Like, don't you have more questions? Well, clearly fucking not. Maybe she wanted to kill her own kid and just thought, well, (laughs) this is a different way of doing it. Right. Yeah. Like, it's so fucked up. There's There's no other way to put it other than this family is fucked. Uh, uh, yeah, yes, yes, Where yes. is the dad? Yeah, so I don't know. Is he dead? During, during, during the research, the dad... Just disappeared? Yeah, he's not brought up that much. Did, uh, hardly did at all. murder him? No, he was alive because... Oh, God, I was, was like, a, oh, shit, what if the wife killed him? And she <laughs> was like, I'm just as crazy as my kid. There was, like, a very tiny little paragraph in one of the articles. I think I went through, like, five or six with this one. One tiny little paragraph that mentioned that eventually Gordon told his dad what he's done, but it, by that time it was too late and he was already captured. That is just so fucking weird. You would think that the dad would be like, man, it's real weird <laughs> how my family is acting. Yeah. Like they didn't act this way yesterday because you would think that there'd be some semblance of like, 
oh, gotta shut the fuck up about that because Gordon went and murdered somebody. <laughs> you know, and Ixnay on the axe, eh? You know, maybe in the late 20s, the, the dad was working 15, 16-hour shifts, and he's kind of checked out and give a damn really realize what working. was going on. I don't give a damn how much you're working. There is no way that you weren't coming back and thinking, well, that's real weird. That <laughs> grave wasn't there before. <laughs> true, true. You know, I just feel like, how is the dad not... I just don't ever get yeah. that. I don't ever yeah. understand how somebody can live with a murderer and go, I didn't know. Yeah, I feel you. I feel, I feel you. like you know, but you just don't want to address it. Right, right. This is going to bring us to May 16th, 1928. Here we're going to meet 12-year-old Louis Winslow and his 10-year-old brother, Nelson Winslow. They were both abducted by Gordon off the streets. Thinking he was getting smarter, Gordon actually wrote a letter pretending to be the brother's wrote a letter to their parents stating that they had decided to run away, but are fine. What the fuck? Yeah. Dear Mom and Dad, I have run away. P.S. We love you. Like, what What do you write in that? Because you would think that you would have to know something about them to make the parents believe this is their kid. <laughs> I mean... Lola and Bailey go missing, and you get a letter from Lola and Bailey... Are you not the least bit like, what the fuck, my kids would never go missing? Oh, absolutely. But more so highlighting, it's a 12 and a 10-year-old brothers what running away. What are they going to do? I mean, yeah. back then there wasn't child labor laws, so I'm sure that they were, I'm sure things like that did happen at one point. Let me clarify. Right. I'm sure there are children it's during the Great mind boggling. Right, that did run away from home because of abuse or things like that, and it was easier for them to live on their own. We know it happened because of newsies and stuff like that. But at the same time, if he felt the need to write a letter home to the parents, obviously he knew something about these kids that they were close to their parents. Yeah. Or and the he, parents would get concerned. Yeah. Or he forced them to tell him. Yeah. It's just that is sad all around. Uh, I agree. In reality, Lewis and Nelson met the same fate as Walter did. Both had the terrible, awful done to them. Then they were brought to the same chicken coop as Walter. That's where Gordon took an axe to both of the brothers. Again, it is unclear if Sanford partook in the abuse and murder, but he was there as a witness and helped bury the bodies of Lewis and Nelson on the farm. I don't think that Sanford is doing the murders. I think Gordon gets off to forcing somebody else to watch him do horrible things to people. Okay, so during the research and writing for this, I did read a lot of interviews and things with Sanford. Okay. And he did say he was forced to partake in the abuse part. Like, yeah, you know, I, okay. I get what you're saying. You don't and, have to explain. I understand. And, what you're and, and the murders. However, he never specifically said which, which murders. And so we don't want to. So right. that's why I'm speculating, but I'm not going to say he did right because he may even from jail or prison still being victimized by gordon and feels like he has to say i did this because if not i'm sure gordon you know there's just <laughs> trauma there that doesn't go away 
Like I want to say something, but I also don't want to no, you're ruin dead. ruin trial time. Right? No, we'll wait for. It. I'm just saying there is there is trauma there that does not go away. Correct. Correct. Okay, callers. As as you may have picked up on earlier, this episode is going to be inspiring a movie. Right. And Keith gave the guess of the strangers, and now I don't feel like it's that at all. No. No. So, we're going to take a little sidetrack to tell you about some other crazy stuff going on around this time as well. Oh, okay. Which may help give some guesses. Okay. But, anyway, here we go. Okay. This will bring us to early August 1928. Remember, the police are under the impression that there has just been a string of kidnappings. They were supposedly doing everything they could to find these kids and get them back home. Then, they finally did. The LAPD found Walter Collins. They contacted Christine, who was his mother, right away. And Christine couldn't believe it, but she was so happy the police found her son. Oh, I think I know the movie now. So, before we get into that, okay, callers, do we remember what happened to Walter Collins? Right, he's dead. He is dead. So, how is the police finding them? Well, I think it's because of the movie that I think it is. Felt like this might give a give you a better idea. Yeah, it does give me a really good idea. Can I ask, is Angelina Jolie in this movie? She is. Okay, yep, I know the movie now. <laughs> yes, I win. If you don't know the movie, then I'm sorry. <laughs> At the big reunion, Christine finally got to see her son that went missing five months ago. However, when she saw her son, she instantly knew something wasn't right and told the police captain that this isn't her son, Walter, Somehow the police captain convinced her that he was her son and just to take him home. So she does. A couple weeks later, Christine was back at the police department. She was determined to prove that this wasn't her son, armed with dental records of Walter as proof. She talks to the captain again, and again the captain was annoyed that she wasn't accepting that this boy was her son. He called her a bad mother and said she was bringing ridicule to the police department. So he had Christine committed to a psychiatric ward under a Code 12 internment, which is a term used to jail or commit someone who is deemed difficult or an inconvenience. Fuck your Code 12. (laughs) Oh God, another woman, her fragile (laughs) arms have come in and she has told me, this isn't my kid. Now she's an inconvenience because she's making us do our jobs. Right. And and we know that it is not, not her kid. Exactly. I did look at the pictures of Walter and this kid who's not Walter. Do they look alike? Like, to me, twins. Okay. But to her, there was just something that she knew. I mean, I guess a mother knows. You know, I wonder if he said something that threw her off in that, like, few months. Because, you know, in that period of time where she's like, oh, like, you are not my kid. I mean, I would be surprised because it was instantly little boy come to Christine and Christine looks at the little boy and instantly. She just knows. This ain't Walter. Well, I wonder, too. Because she brought the dental records as proof. I wonder if this little boy was missing a tooth or had something wrong with one had of his teeth. Had more baby teeth, maybe? Yeah, or... and she knew 
know right. he like he already lost this tooth. I have records of it. Right, right. Because she is a good mom, <laughs> Mister Officer Fuckface. Yes, Officer Fuckface. That I don't even know his name, but his name is now. You will go down in histories and the annals <laughs> of histories is Officer Fuckface, and I don't give a fuck because God forbid somebody come tell me. I did my job they, wrong. They they did have his name in the article, but I was thinking Officer Fuckface. Like, I'm not even going to give him Yeah, his he name. doesn't deserve a right. name. Nope, you need to be erased from history. You're a loser. Yes. So, after a week or so goes by, the captain eventually had a little talk with this Walter Collins lookalike. How did that go? Hey, I'll give you a lollipop. <laughs> yeah, I don't if know. you just keep pretending to be the other fucking kid. <laughs> because right now, your wannabe mama... I just locked her ass up for being a little mouthy. You want the same thing? Well, more so, uh, Christine was put in the psychiatric ward. And remember, um, Walter's dad was doing jail time. So who's... Who the fuck is watching Walter? Thank you. Whatever this Walter look like. Did did the captain take him in? Yeah, I don't know. Because... She's got, oh my God, I, I didn't think about that. So you kind of like know, put right? that all together, but now I'm like, <laughs> oh, you, this is her kid, quote unquote, her child that <laughs> you have locked her away for because she doesn't believe that this is her child, but you're okay with locking her away and nobody being there to take care of said Walter wannabe. Right. So it was uncovered that it was actually not Walter Collins what? Jr. What if it was a, okay. What if it was a. <laughs> Uh, one of those people that are born with that syndrome that they don't age, kind of like the orphan. Oh, yeah. I can't think of the exact term of it. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. they always look like little kids, well, and this was a grown-ass adult <laughs> that was like, thanks, I got a house for free. She's right. gone. <laughs> but, but it was actually a boy named Arthur Hutchins. Realizing they made a mistake, they released Christine from the psych ward. Which she responded with a lawsuit. Well, I wonder fucking why. Right. And in case you're wondering, she did win the lawsuit, but somehow the LAPD never paid it. How did they? I am telling you, if I won the lawsuit and they never paid it, I would oh, burn God. the LAPD to the ground. Right. Yeah. I if don't I, know how they managed to weasel their way out of it. If I ain't getting my money, ain't nobody getting their money. <laughs> right. And you just locked me up for God. We don't even know how long she was locked up, correct? It was like a week or 10 days or something okay. like that. You locked me up for 10 days with a lot of other mentally unstable people, all because I was a woman with an opinion. And the last time I checked, the witch hunts were over with and they had been outlawed. <laughs> but in a woman with an idea or two it <laughs> is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! I hope I hope somebody punched that man in the face. I hope she <laughs> got out and punched him in the face. Right. Like I do have to say though, I feel like that would be worth the jail time <laughs> just to punch him. Oh, definitely, and definitely. Like, Locking away for ten fucking days, you asshole. <laughs> I, I would punch him and then be like, "Time served for that ten days." No shit. <laughs> be like there, there's my paid lawsuit. <laughs> right. Right. However, still in August 1928, Sanford's older sister, Jessie, was missing her brother since it had been a while since they had last seen him. She traveled to Wineville, California to visit him. She even stayed at the farm with Gordon and his parents. After a few nights, Sanford couldn't hold it back anymore. He told his sister everything. 
He told her about the ongoing emotional, physical, and sexual abuse brought on by Gordon. He told her about all the horrific things he had partaken, all with Gordon's victims. Then, if that wasn't enough, Gordon even tried to attack Jessie one of the nights she was there. This was enough for her, and she headed back home to Canada. So she nope, nope, noped out the room. She did. And ditched the fuck out. Please tell me she's going to be the one that opens her mouth. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for being the one to say, nope, I'm getting the fuck out. This yep. is weird. I'm going home. And then tell it, screaming at the top of your lungs, this family's crazy. Right. But more so, kudos to Sanford rather than just keeping his mouth shut and keeping it in. He told somebody. That's what I'm saying. It had to have been some sort of such trauma that he wanted to tell anybody that would listen to him. Correct. And wasn't Gordon or Gordon's mother because clearly he can't go to Gordon's mom. Gordon's mom is all for Gordon being a murderer. Right. Yeah, all for it. Once home, she immediately notified the American consul, which is like an official representative of America, but right there in Canada. About everything Sanford told her. The council immediately notified the LAPD about what Jesse had just told them. Which is going to bring us to August 31st, 1928. Two officials went to the Wineville home. Gordon noticed them coming. That is when he told Sanford to stall the agents that if he didn't, he would kill him from the tree line using his rifle. Then Gordon and his mother took off running. Eventually, Sanford felt safe and knew the agents wouldn't let anything happen to him. Again, Sanford didn't hold anything back and told the agents about everything. However, Gordon and his mother had a head start and it was too big and they couldn't find them. I feel like this just shows more of a Sanford, even though he is partaking in uh, these, these abuse with these other kids. He wants and burying the body. He wants the way out and just it shows his more of a victim status because, uh, you know, Gordon's like, I'll, I'll kill you if you don't stall these agents so right. me and my mom can get away. And you're going to do things. And I'm not I'm never going to justify murder being OK. It's not murder is bad people. Right. But you will always do something that if it means your life or somebody else's, you will always try to protect your life. And yep. I know there's people that are like, no, I would never do that. Stop lying to yourself. You 100% would choose your life over somebody else's. I mean, unless it's like your immediate children. Right. But if it's somebody strange to you or you you are not going to just do that. I, I agree. I agree. You know, I understand. That Sad truth, but it's honest. It is. But, and I understand that there's those heroes that are like, oh, well, I... I ran into the fray and I did this. That's wonderful. But you are probably one in a billion. Right, right, right. That it's willing to ever do that to yourself, you know, to anybody. So typically it is going to be those people that say, no, I, I would rather keep myself alive. And it's the whole uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. This really sounds a lot like Stockholm Syndrome. It does, Syndrome. it does. Thankfully, they couldn't hide for long. Gordon and his mother, Sarah, were eventually picked up in Canada on September 19th, 1928. So they, they ran back to Canada? I mean, pretty much, yeah. That, did, did they not think they want to get caught in Canada? I, I have no idea. Like, Ma'am, sir, hey, <laughs> uh, 
they know you there too. Right, right, right. Why don't you go farther south <laughs> into like Mexico? They don't know you there yet. Right. I'm sure they will eventually. <laughs> but uh don't go back home. Right. Yeah. Because you know they did. You know they went somewhere close to home because they were like, oh, nobody's ever gonna know what we did. Right. The fucking idiots. <laughs> A whole lot of them. Just fucking idiots. The only one that was good was the young girl that decided she was going to go back and tell her whole family. <laughs> God and everybody. She told everyone. <laughs> okay, so now that we know that they're caught, can you take us through this, I would hope, quick trial? Yeah, so Gordon's trial is in the top five of most ridiculous ones. And that's saying something from just some of the crazy trials we covered in our past seasons. Okay, did he sing to anybody? No. Did he claim that somebody else influenced him? No. Uh, I'm trying to think of other crazy shit that we've heard so far. Did he try to say that it wasn't him, that it was somebody else? No. Like his brothers or sisters? <laughs> no. Because no, that no, no, was no. crazy as fuck. It's well, crazier than that. Okay, well then you're going to have to tell me because I didn't know that you could get dumber than those reasons. <clears throat> All right. Well, before we get into Gordon's trial... We will cover his mother's first. Oh, please tell me she tried the same shit. Well, her trial is an irritating one. She was charged with murdering Walter Collins Jr. Right, she should have been. Yep. And she was found guilty due to her own confession. Okay. She was sentenced to life in prison on December 31st, 1928. Okay. And you're like, why is that irritating? Right, I would like to know why that's irritating. She Justice was served. Yep, yep. Well, the judge spared her the death penalty because she was a woman. Bull, oh my God. However, this bitch somehow got paroled in 1940s after serving less than 12 years. What the shit? Right. But thankfully, she died four years later in 1944. She should have died in prison. How? Who let her go? What parole board said, hey, we hear she gets a little axe happy with her fucking kid. (laughs) Let's let her back out into society. She sounds like a real fucking winner. (laughs) But that other lady, Christine, the one that was talking a lot. Right. Yeah. She needs to go back to the nut house for a few minutes because she had an opinion. And I'm saying nut house, I don't really think it that way, but I'm saying that is how they would have said it. (laughs) Right, right. So, I don't have it in here, but uh, Sanford Clark, uh, his nephew, Mm -hmm. did not have any trial or jail time as the prosecutors felt he was more victim than accomplice. I 100% agree with that. So, that's that's what happened with Sanford. I 100% agree with that. He shouldn't be forced to spend jail time. Right. When he is so victimized by somebody that has such... Power and control. Absolutely. People don't understand, like, those two terms. And I wish my grandma was in here right now because she uses those terms a lot. Somebody having power and control over your life to that extent, you are in survival mode. I'm getting chills right now talking about it because, you know, it's hard to go through that. To go through something that extreme where you have to go into that type of survival mode to do anything right right but more so i feel it was just the so many years because you know if you have someone who's holding a gun to you saying you have to kill this person or i'm gonna kill you and then you kill them 
that person has been charged with murder, murder before. Right. So I think it was spared because of the several years of... Right, there was manipulation right. and torture, and there's just so much to it that happened. And he confesses. He doesn't confess once to somebody. He confesses again to, to everything every, that's to going To everybody on. that would listen, yeah. Right. He is just like... His, was it his sister that he... Was his sister, correct? Yeah, that came to visit. That came. I need to backtrack for a quick second. Why was it... That Sanford was even taken with them to California. Did you ever find that out? So I didn't like officially find out, but my speculation is Sanford was the youngest son in that that family. Okay. And they were like, oh, you're going to America? Take my son. Let him have a better life than what we're being able to provide. You know, we've heard that so many times. So many times. So many times. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's what I believe was the situation. And yeah, I get it. But holy shit. I feel bad for his family. Oh, yeah. Me too. Because they left him in the care of somebody that they clearly trusted. Right. Yep. And they weren't exhibiting these horrible signs prior to mm-hmm. leaving and going to Cal- you know, to California, that is just, this whole thing has been wild. You told me it was going to be one, and it's just, we, you're, you're taking me on an emotional roller coaster and with this. We, we didn't even get to Gordon's yet. Yeah, I know. So, Gordon was initially implicated for Walter's murder as well. But because his mother already confessed and was sentenced for his murder, they chose not to prosecute him for that as well. But he should have been. He was the one that initiated the murder on Walter. I mean, I agree. But however, they still charged him with the murder murders of Lewis and Nelson Wilson and Alvin Gothia, plus all the charges of kidnapping, rape, etc. Okay. So, you know, they had so many. It's like, we want to make sure we can get them for one. And if there's not the evidence and clear as day proof. See, but I guess this brings me back to earlier episodes when she got off in the end you know she got paroled she was still in jail she was in jail at the time of gordon's trial right but i'm saying she got paroled she did because she was charged for walter's crime for walter's murder right right and she ends up getting paroled and now it feels like there was no true justice for walter other than four years after she got paroled there was right (laughs) but it feels like there was no true justice that was lived out to its full extent. I agree. Because I they agree. decided they didn't want to put it on Gordon as well. And his mom had already confessed. Well, baby, you both did it. Yep, yep, yep. And you both should be charged for it. Yep. So, naturally, the courts provide an attorney for Gordon. Which, of course, he fires. Well, clear. Okay. He fires multiple attorneys that were appointed to him. He had his mindset on representing himself. Oh, see, that's the one fucking thing that I didn't think to guess. <laughs> because I was like, he, he's so crazy that he's going to need help. But no, he's a fucking narcissist. Yep, yep. And which the courts eventually let him do because it is his right. I would not have let him do it. <laughs> I would have overruled that in a goddamn heartbeat. So, brace yourselves for this one, Keith, and callers, and try not to piss your pants from laughter. One of his first witnesses he called to the stand was himself. (laughs) Your Honor, I would like to call me. Me. Were you there on the night of question? 
know me. I was not there on the night of question. That That's right, callers. He called himself <laughs> to the stand. And while on the stand, he grilled himself by asking and then answering his own damn question. Oh, my God. I was not even wrong with my interpretation of how that went. You were not. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> what a fucking idiot. <laughs> so, <laughs> me? Yeah. Uh, me. Can you tell me where was this child that's in question? <laughs> Will me. I can tell you I have never seen him a day in my life. <laughs> well, me, do you know what your mother did with an axe? Well, me, I right. saw her come after him with it. Right. But I thought she didn't know who he was, me. Okay, maybe I do, me. <laughs> Damn it, I did it. So, so on February 8th, 1929, he was found guilty of all crimes and was sentenced to death. He didn't have to sit long on death row, though. He was hanged on October 2nd, 1930, and he was only 23 years old. Damn, they did not waste a minute with him. Right. He got through all those appeals. You know what it was. The Smeagol Gollum action that he <laughs> pulled with himself. The pressure. That he, they were like, no, no. Yeah, he, you exhausted your appeals <laughs> right fucking there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there was all, all the appeals that you there probably now, wasn't back in 1930 or 1929. Only a year. That is so fucking fast. And I remember, I remember uh, we were watching a show the other day and it talked about how there's like, you have to prove your innocence or something. Like it was something like a weird term that got used, but you only get one chance in certain states. Like other states give you multiple chances. Yeah. There are some states, like, you get that one chance, you yeah. don't do it, sucks to be you. Right, right. Remember at the beginning of the show when we mentioned that this town was so ashamed of the crimes that happened and hated all the negative publicity that they changed their name? Well, on November 1st, 1930, Wineville, California officially changed their name to Miraluma, California. That is almost worse than Wineville. <laughs> you should have just kept it Wineville. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was very, very interesting. Why Mira Llama? Luma. I want to call it Llama because it looks like a llama. It's not Llama. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So how does this fit into the season five theme of murderous entertainment? This crime actually inspired a movie that was directed by Clint Eastwood. Okay. I know what it is. It's The Changeling. So, not so much for Gordon North, Northcott's killing spree, but more so about one of his victims, Walter Collins Jr., and the hell Christine Collins was put through while trying to find her son that went missing. And you are correct. It inspired the 2008 movie Changeling, which starred Angelina Jolie, who portrayed Christine Collins. I'm so happy that I was able to figure it out as you started talking more about her, <laughs> because I was like... Oh, no, this has got to be, like, a Stranger's thing, or, like, the hills have eyes, like, this is going to be some weird backward shit. But then you started talking about Christine again, and I was like, oh, now all the puzzle pieces have fit together nicely. Right. And there you have it, callers. Episode 7 of Season 5 Murderous Entertainment, the Gordon Northcott case. I'm glad we will never have to do this case again. Correct. I'll never have to think about me talking to me <laughs> and answering me. Right. Because that is just 
Dum 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 dum. As always, we will always remember the names of victims on this podcast. So we have Walter Collins Jr., nine. Lewis Winslow, twelve. Nelson Winslow, ten. And Alvin Gothia, ten. Also, if you or anyone you know is struggling with a mental health crisis or has suicidal thoughts, please reach out to 988. Also, this case dealt with kidnapping. So, we are also going to give the number for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And that number is 1-800-843-5678. Again, that is 1-800-THE-LOST. Thank you again so much, callers, for tuning in this week to listen to one of probably the worst cases we've done in a minute. I mean, it was a good case. It was a very good case. I'm I'm (laughs) proud of myself. I did not cry once. Right, right. Because we all know me. I have a hard time dealing with children. Yep. But I did like the way that you wrote this. It it was easier for me to get through. I did kind of try to take a more gentle approach, but was still giving the facts. Right, right. And we don't ever want to not give the facts, but we also have to understand that not everybody wants to hear all of the facts when it comes to, well, the gorier. The gorier, the more detailed facts. Yeah. You're getting all the facts, you're just not getting the nitty-gritty, and I don't want nitty-gritty when it comes to children. I don't really want it when it comes to adults. (laughs) Right. Definitely don't want it when it comes to kids. So with that said, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Also, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Facebook.com slash dead. Follow us on TikTok at dead, where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, our chunky kitty Trakaris, the sugar gliders Emma and Regina, or of course, our doggies Lola and Bailey. Or email us at Call us dead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case, ask some questions, suggest some cases, or just to say hi. Also, if any of you callers would like us to give a shout out or a message to someone you know, let us know. But until then, remember to stay strong, do everything with love, know there is always hope. And if you forget, you can always call call us when when you're you're dead. dead.